You're listening to the iRacers Lounge Podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I'm your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, Tony Groves, and special guest, Joel Hamilton. Hey, guys. Hey, how you doing? How's it going? Good evening. Hey. So welcome to the podcast, Joel. I think I've called you Josh in the past. I don't know where that came from. Sorry about that, but it's Joel Hamilton. No, uh, that that's that's actually pretty funny because my girlfriend, as a joke, now calls me Josh all the time. So it's kind of taken on a a life of its own. She likes the the bad twin brother kind of thing, or I think so. Yeah, she has me wear certain clothes and stuff to call me. You know, when she calls me Josh. <laughs> Nice. All right. Well, I'm glad I got to participate in that somehow. Uh, well, let's talk. Let's get to know you a little bit. Uh, how did you hear about iRacing, and when did you get your start? Oh man, you know, I I got into iRacing. I was going to race motorcycles back in the day, and then um, everything was kind of going in that direction. And then uh, my wife at the time. We're having our first child, so we decided the risk wasn't worth the reward, so we're going to switch to racing cars. And uh, a guy I know got me on some sim time on iRacing, I'd say back in maybe 2010, 2011, and I just absolutely loved it and um, kind of networked and spent a lot of time with him and forgot about racing real cars because I got so deep into running in leagues and I was fortunate enough to pick up some sponsors early on where I was making a little money. Uh, racing the cars and stuff like that, but I've been a member with my own account since uh, 2012. Wow, that is a long time. Yeah, All yeah, right. it's, it's been a good road. I mean, I've learned a lot and met a lot of great people on it. All right, uh, tell us about how often are you running these days? Uh, what do you run? You know, do you have a normal series or a league or something? Yeah, I I wish I did right now. I'm finding that the deeper I dive into the business end of it, the less I'm actually racing. I mean, I did a race yesterday with the 305 fixed sprints, and that was really my first race in in a long time. It's been pretty sporadic. I'll get on and do practices and stuff like that, but honestly, I'm I'm now watching uh, the live stream events because I'm looking for drivers that we could possibly put in real cars and stuff. Right, and we'll talk about that a little bit. Uh, let's talk about your uh, setup there. What do you got for wheels, pedals? How many monitors do you have? You know, my personal rig, I run a single monitor, uh, a decent TV. Um, I run the Logitech G29s just because they last forever. We've burned out a few other wheels because we do events too. So we rent out the equipment and it gets beat up. And the Logitech uh, G-Series seems to take the punishment and keep going. Yeah, Absolutely. Any uh, third-party software? Uh, sounds like you would watch a lot of YouTube. You know, I, I do watch a lot of YouTube. I do watch um, a lot of the races, whether they're uh, official iRacing or even the league races. I've got my eye out. You know, I feel like a talent scout, I guess, of some sort. But um, as far as third-party for racing, I've dabbled with the VRS, the virtual racing school stuff. I like the telemetry. I don't know how to read it. But um, I feel like I, I look cool when I'm trying to, you know. Right. Yeah, somebody walks into your room and they're like, whoa, what are you doing? You look like <laughs> an engineer. You're smart. <laughs> All right. And uh, 
uh, most memorable iRacing moment, if you have one, and that might actually tie into what our next discussion will be about your virtual to reality. Hmm, most memorable on the personal side would be um, this last year, the 24 hours at Daytona, our team won our split, which was really cool. Um, that was a proud moment. Uh, had some really good teammates. Um, most memorable, though, as far as like iRacing in general, I'd have to say I witnessed firsthand the power of iRacing when there was a driver that I was working with who was moving up to the Legends, never been in it, and um, Jack Olstead from Trinity Racing put William Kamara on iRacing running the Legends um, for his first time ever, practiced for three or four hours, got the system down, then the next day went into the Legends for his very first time and was fastest in practice, qualified first, and just dominated the race until the oil line came out. So it was uh, impressive to see firsthand um, how adaptable iRacing is. And I'd say that that was the kind of moment that led into everything that's, uh, that we're propelling right now. All right. And uh, let's talk about that a little bit. Uh, virtualtoreality.tv is your website uh, with the number two. And uh, t- tell us what is the goal there? What is it all about? Now, I've been following you and your story for quite some time. You've been trying to get this launched for a long time, you know, and uh, at first I kind of described it as uh, crowdsourcing from sim racers to get into a real race car drive. Is that what it is, or what? It, what is it we're talking about? Um, you know, I've, I've wanted to do this since 2013, so I was part of a, a ride-and-drive sim racing facility called the iRace Center out in Fremont, California, and we had 14 racing simulators. And what I wanted to do is hold an event there that was actually going to put a driver in a um, NASA-sanctioned U.S. touring car race car for a weekend of testing and evaluation. So this is something that I've wanted to do for a while. The crowdsourcing thing is is you know, we put out feelers to the community, and uh, a lot of the growth in sim racing is going to be reliant on the community coming together. Unfortunately, not everybody's on the same page, which happens. I mean, you know, uh, it's a hard sell. Sometimes some people feel that they don't want to have to pay for someone else's dream to come true, which is understandable. But uh, crowdsourcing is, is a good concept because you could take a little bit of money if, from people who believe in something. And as long as the entity that the money's going to is trustworthy, and they really put that money towards the goal, you know, we can really make a lot of things happen that the ripple effect would still benefit everybody who maybe didn't earn that ride. But unfortunately, the community didn't step up, but I was able to find a couple partners that really um, believed in this, saw it, and they're into it 100% and were able to make it happen. Yeah, so let's talk about that. Recently, you, uh, you got Alex Bergeron, who's a very young, very good talent, from what I've seen, uh, you, you somehow got him into the real race car. Tell us a little bit about that. That just happened here recently. Yeah, like I said, I've been watching uh, all the live stream races, everything from the Peak Antifreeze um, to the World of Outlaws and several other series. Uh, Alex caught my eye uh, a couple times, and then so we became friends on Facebook. We were chatting back and forth, but he didn't know at the time that uh, my intent was to try to get him in a real race car because I just kind of want to fill out his personality. Um, I needed some help with some promo stuff. Uh, Alex was always there to either edit a video or have a skin made, and it really helped out a lot. So, And that was just purely just 
uh, the kindness of his heart. So that let me know as far as the mental side, he's about the community. He is about helping out to making sure that um, sim racing as a whole will grow. So I knew as far as the the mentality that, that he's he's what I'm looking for. Outside that, the driving, his driving is just amazing. He's got a pro license in both road and oval, which not too many people, uh, I believe, have that. If there was a dirt class or dirt license, I'm sure it would be pro too. Yeah, uh, he's definitely a pro in dirt. So I met up with a guy named Kyle Bates from uh, Iron Aces Inc. out in Canada, who's a very successful sprint car racer uh, out in the Alberta, Canada area at Castro Raceway. And uh, him and I chatted for a bit about Alex and uh, his driving ability, and we both decided to put the resources together and and put him in a car. So we made the call, and I told Alex, and, and I think he dropped his phone. And <laughs> he didn't call me back for like an hour. He sent me a message and said, dude, I didn't know what to say. I dropped my phone. I'm sorry. I'm just in shock. So he, I, don't, I don't know if he was like uh, in disbelief or, or what happened, but um, yeah, it was a it was a, uh, I, th- I think it was received pretty well with him. Well, obviously, you uh, flew him over to where the track and the car were. He got to practice. He uh, looked really good in practice, and then I think the next day he did the race and and had a respectable finish, right? Yeah, it worked out really well. You know, we we couldn't just put him uh, in the race per se, safety of other drivers and himself and stuff. So Castro Raceway, really believing in what we were doing. And had a, a really good interest. They sponsored us the track time uh, on Wednesday. So Alex can have some private time on the track. And we had the full crew out there. Some of the local drivers came out to, to peep out this video gamer. I'm using the air quotes, you know. The video gamer coming out and running a sprint car. And by his second stint, a couple of the drivers turned to the car owner and said, Hey, you know what? This kid can drive. By the third stint, uh, the guy that's there who never has nothing nice to say about nobody turned to him and said, he just smiled and gave him the nod, like, yeah, this kid's the real deal. And that was pretty amazing. So he got cleared to race on Friday, which is a, a good deal. And uh, they gave him the little rookie streamer, and he had to start in the back of the pack. And Alex was running a 305, and the rest of the field's running 360s. We made the call on the 305 for safety reasons. We just wanted him to kind of be out there, cut his teeth a little bit, follow the pack and stuff. But what we didn't expect is Alex to be Alex. And Alex had a different game plan, and we couldn't have asked for anything better. Uh, Alex understanding he was underpowered, knew he had to throw the car in the corners harder and deeper than everybody else, wheel the car a little bit more than everybody else, and really kind of carry the speed and momentum coming out of the turns. And what we found was Alex's gains in the turns were greater than his losses in the straights. And by Friday night, uh, there was an incident. But it was a race incident, not a really a rookie incident. He tried to make a move, and it was the type of the move that if he would have pulled it off, uh, the whole place would have just basically stood up and cheered. It was He was trying to make a beeline on the inside, uh, running side-by-side side with the track, track champion to go for first place in the B main on Friday. Wrecked the car, hit the inside. There just wasn't uh, much room. But they worked all night, repaired the car, and he qualified for the Saturday race. Yeah. Yeah, that's something. Um and and so that's great. It actually worked where you got a, a sim racer who's never been in a real race car really into a dirt car and then he ran around there and did really well for his first race, obviously. 
Yeah, it was a it was a lot of fun to see him out there. Um, obviously, you know, when you first get into it, the difference between the real car and the sim one is you can get hurt, and then the sight, smell, sound, you know, all the movement and stuff like that. But I think once you remove the sensory input and you get back to just driving, um, you started to see Alex's same driving style that he had online just kind of take over the car that he was in. It was really good to see. On Saturday, they deemed him a safe racer, so they uh, didn't make him start at the back of the pack in the heats and the mains anymore. Basically, where he qualified is where he got to run, and he uh, raced in the heats, got into the feature race, started in 20th, and finished in 6th place and got the Hard Charger Award. So very impressive outing for Alex. Heck yeah. And... Uh... I just recently watched him online win a race Monday night, uh, a, a televised uh, or broadcasted event against uh, some of the best in the business, Christopher Bell, Chase Briscoe. And boy, he was digging on the bottom, and he won that thing outright. He took it from those guys. Yeah, yeah, and I, I noticed that his driving style had changed a little bit from before he got in the car. So I asked him uh, yesterday, uh, after his win uh, for in the at USA, uh, I said, you know, ha- has anything has your driving style online changed because of what you learned in the sprint car? And he said, yeah, patience. So patience is something he learned in the real car that now he's reverse applying back to the sim. So now we've got this full 360 gamut of of how the virtual to reality and reality to virtual can really help drivers out. Yeah. Yeah, we talk about it all the time. I think I saw a tweet, Dale Jr.'s in the simulator just yesterday, the Chevy simulator in Charlotte, getting ready to you know run races and try to get wins, and everybody's doing it now. It's crazy. Uh, tell us, Joel, what's the next step, short-term, long-term? You know, you had a great success with Alex. Now, what's next? Right now, we're putting together a winter series, and the winter series is going to be sprint cars again, uh, probably going to be the 305 fixed something very similar to um, the sprint car that we have up in Canada. And uh, that's going to be an opportunity for another driver to be able to climb in and get the opportunity like Alex did. For Alex's program, we're going to run him in a few more 305 races with other 305s this time. Let him go out there and duke it on an equal uh, playing field because the chassis and the equipment that we have from Iron Aces Inc. is really, really good stuff. Um, let him go out there, let him compete, but we'd like to move Alex up to the 360s next year, which then opens up the 305 ride. But a lot of it, you know, like racing is, it's, it's expensive and it comes down to funding. So, uh, we're hoping that, uh, all these proposals we're sending out post Alex in this event, we're going to be able to lock down the funding for next year because, uh, you know, we're basically telling a good story and we want to see what companies kind of want to grab onto that story right now. Right. And I was reading a, a post that you put up earlier today, actually, about uh, esports in general. Let's talk about that a little bit. Uh, where do you see the future of this? Obviously, you're trying to actually apply it in a business sense of getting this esports off the ground on the, on the driving side. You know, we did see that attempt with the Formula E uh, sim event, and it was pretty much a disaster. Um, I think because of the platform they used, but regardless, uh, 
where do you see it going? You know, I, I think you asked me for my input. My input's really, you got to get the major sanctioning bodies to embrace this, along with a sponsor to pay for it, like you say. So a big company, Visa, Coca-Cola, or something like that, uh, a Home Depot, a Lowe's, a big company, a Fortune 500 company could fund something like this. They could get tons of exposure. If you could get the NASCAR sanctioning body to say, to really embrace it and say, this is part of NASCAR. This is our fourth series. It's, you know, virtual. It's online and it's NASCAR. And when you win this, you're a NASCAR champion. You're just a virtual one from our fourth series. And the same thing with IndyCar. You know, you have IndyCar, embrace the IndyCar side of it. Even Formula One, you know, there's there's opportunities there and so forth. So oh, anyway, that's kind of my idea. What do you think? You know, I, I agree. I've been working on this since 2014. And, you know, the, that was really essentially the breakout year for esports. I think 2014, like 79 million people watched 12.4 billion hours of other people playing video games. I can't watch other people playing video games. It's just weird. The racing I could watch, though, because it's racing, so it's a little different. But a bunch of like wizards throwing fireballs and stuff like that. I don't, I don't, I can't sit and watch. But um, esports racing is the only esport where the skills and techniques learned can directly apply to its real world equivalent. Call of Duty is not going to prepare you to be a soldier. Um, the Dota and the fireball throwing games and stuff like that. You're not going to be able to dress up as a wizard and go around town and throw fireballs. So esports racing is an entity that just hasn't grabbed or gain the traction of the other platforms based on the number of users for each platform. It just isn't there. Um, with the racing side, they're spread out through like Gran Turismo, Forza, and, and everything else. But there could be millions of users on iRacing. Um, if we did it right, you know, we can kind of funnel people to one thing. And, and the way to do it is to host events with an eSport e format where people can win money. But bigger than that is to really become a consistent source to put drivers in real race cars. There's some very talented people online, whether it doesn't matter the platform, just whatever one they got into, there's a the certain intangible in racing that you're either born with or you're not. And it can't be taught. And unfortunately there's thousands of people who could be racing but uh, don't have the resources so they race online. And that's what we're trying to find right now. Yeah, it was just a few weeks ago we had a quote from Kyle Larson, NASCAR superstar, uh, who's running for his first championship. He says he likes iRacing because it's more competitive than his day job. And uh, it's true. I mean, like you said, there's so much talent. It's incredible. Uh, so let's wrap it up with how if people want to get involved after hearing about this, uh, in the winter series that you spoke about and such, or, or they need to, or want to reach out to you and contact you, uh, how, where can they find you at? Um, best way, obviously, is through the Facebook page. So it's just virtual, the number two reality.tv at the end of the facebook.com. And just inbox us. I mean, we've, we've got, we're averaging probably 40 or 50 messages a day right now since we've um, put Alex in the car. Got a lot of emails coming in. Um, a lot of it is, hey, you know, put me in a race car. I'm a great race car driver and stuff like that, which is fantastic. But I can't just go and put somebody in it. You got to compete in our events. So you want to follow us. You want to uh, kind of stay tuned to the page and be active with us. You know, let us see your name. Let us see you comment and stuff like that. Um, because, uh, 
you know, when we post that we're going to have these events, at first they're going to be invitational. We hope to one day have our events with their official series on iRacing. There has been some talk with that, but nothing really came to fruition as of yet. But those, these are recent conversations to where maybe we'll have um, the fixed 305 official series is officially, hey, you know what? You compete in here. You earn the points every eight weeks. At the end of eight weeks, we'll take the top 30. We'll run heats. And whoever wins the whole thing, we'll put into the car for um, a weekend or a week or so. Uh, on top of that, we just secured a racetrack um, for Wednesday nights in Alberta, Canada. And we're looking to run a brand new racing format that we created internally. Uh, the car owner had a great idea on how to safely run iRacers in race cars. Um, it's a it's a really good concept. So 2018, we're going to be launching that. And we're even going to be offering discounts based on your iRating. So the higher your iRating is, the less money you're going to be paying. So it's a direct tie into how you do on iRacing. <laughs> nice. That's very cool. Well, uh, good luck to you. Uh, we'll obviously be following along here at the podcast at your success and and see how it goes. I'm obviously very interested in in, in it as well, and it's interesting to see uh, see it actually come to fruition. And uh, I was glad to f- the f- that you figured out a way to get it funded because that's obviously the hard part. Uh, and going forward, obviously. Yeah, it's it's a dream come true. Because uh, I know it's a good system, I believe. I believe in this system, and I know that there's some talented people out there, and all they want to do is just show what they can do, and that's what racing was supposed to be about before the corporate influence came in. And you know, um, we don't watch the best racers; we watch good racers with the best resources. So we're hoping to get the best racers back behind the wheels. Right. All right. Cool. All right, let's jump into uh, racing results for this week. Uh, NIS, uh, Tony, you didn't run. You don't have the track, right? Yeah, yeah. Another week, same old story. I don't have the track, but uh, this is the last week. I, I I will have the rest of the tracks for the rest of the season. So I'm kind of looking forward to that. Yeah, and you had some success last time you ran too. So be nice to see if you can back that up. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's just it's, yeah. Just keep my nose clean. That's that. That's my main goal. Yeah, especially in the split you're in. But uh, yeah, Chicago Land. Wow, it was tough for me. Uh, Wednesday night got wrecked out. Uh, open. My internet actually went out. So I was early in the race. Uh, you know, it says whatever closing device or closing session, and you have to like close the sim out and restart it. Well, my entire computer didn't have internet. Nothing in my house had internet. I didn't know what was wrong, so I started rebooting everything. I rebooted the computer, the router. I ran, which is upstairs. I had to run upstairs and reboot the router. All said and done, I lost about 18 laps, I believe. Uh, finished P28 because of that, um, but. It sucks having to run around out, you know, 15 plus laps down all day long after something like that happens. Uh, you know, and it doesn't happen very often. I, I think I can't remember the last time my internet went out like that. And uh, just rebooting the router seemed to fix it. 
Yeah, it's a funny thing with those routers, and even the modems themselves just seems like, uh, you know, after they run for a while, they, they just need a reboot. I guess the computer's the same way if you leave it on all the time, but, um, you know, at, le- at least you're able to get back out, and you weren't just shut right down like uh, last week there when you missed out and lost a whole whack of I rating. Yeah, and, uh, you know, this week I lost a ton of I rating too. Uh, P28 there, Thursday fixed, P14, that's my best result. P14. I was so slow. I was two and a half seconds uh, off pace on the old tires. That's how much of the fall off I was having. Everyone else had less fall off than me. And as usual, I think the tires at one point said 63% uh, after stopping. Uh, I just suck. I can't not save tires. Uh, I did somehow rally back to 14th. Not a bad result considering there's 35 cars or whatever. Uh, teammate Tyler Conroy finished third that night. Um, a great run for him after all his wins he's had this season. Uh, David Flowers, he wrecked out with a blown engine. Uh, Friday open, I ran. Uh, we ended up getting a set, a set actually gifted to us from a, a, a source, an ominous friend of the podcast. Anyway, uh, I ran it really without too much practice. It was fast, though. Uh, it was too hot, though. My engine was hot. I had to take tape off uh, on the first stop. I about blew it up because of that, because uh, it was actually green for quite a while. Uh, eventually, the set was too loose, uh, and I wrecked, but boy, it was fast. Uh, and then I had a friend to help me tighten it up a little bit, but still, uh, it didn't work out. So, And I didn't run Sunday. Yeah, that was uh, that was awesome. Uh you know, huge thank you to the anonymous uh, donor for that for that set. It uh, <laughs> if I wasn't so strict about the program that I've got for my tracks, I I just about hit the buy button for that uh, for Chicago Land just so I could try that out. Yeah, I think Tyler ran it on Sunday night, and he said it was too loose. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was fun uh, running somebody else's uh, work, and it it drives so differently than what we were driving. Um, the fixed and the uh, other sets that we had were just not great. Uh, let's see what's next. Uh, let's talk Pro Invitational race was last week. Uh, it's they run that before the peak race. Uh, Joel, this is a new thing that just started in the last couple of weeks. I'm sure you've been watching this one as well. Yeah, I didn't get to see the last one, Kyle Larson. I really wanted to see that, but um, I was in the gym. I really like what they're doing with that, uh, with mixture. It really adds a lot of validity to it. Yeah, and I called it, boys. Our our buddy Ty Majeski won. He got the pole. He led every lap. Okay. Now, the first race they ran, he got the pole. He led a few laps, and he spun off. And then he lost the race. He obviously couldn't catch him. But this time he didn't make a mistake and he won it. So congrats to Ty. I'm glad you're making me look good by calling you as the winner of that event. Uh, NASCAR.com actually uh, talked about the event as well and put it on their website to help promote it. Uh, This is kind of what I was talking about earlier is we need NASCAR to do more of this. I mean, this is great that they're getting involved and they're they're talking about what we're doing on the sim side. Uh, we got some of the best stars in NASCAR involved in this event now. Kyle Larson was in the race. Darrell Wallace Jr. was in the race as well. 
Uh, pretty cool. Yeah, I, I like what they're doing with it, and I know NASCAR is really looking for. Um, they're basically scurrying for ways to get the younger audience, and I know there's been a lot of chatter about esports and virtual racing and how to implement it at the track and stuff like that. And I think that this kind of might be the first step towards it. And with NASCAR embracing iRacing right now, um, it looks like uh, it's kind of building some 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 steam over there. Yeah. This is how the eSports thing, is. I think, is really going to take off, is NASCAR has really got to push it. And um, I like it. It's, it's getting pushed both ways. So anyway... Let's talk about the peak race, which happened later that night. Uh, we had a first-time uh, winner, Taylor Hurst, played spo- spoiler in the battle for the peak race, taking two tires during a caution with 13 to go and surging to the lead on a late restart to win the first race of the season at Chicago. And Alex Bergeron was in this race and uh, mixing it up there as well. Yeah, so he was running uh, back of the pack for a while, but I think he ended up finishing, uh, got a top 10 or something like that, right? Yeah, he was at the front at the last restart there. So, um, yeah, but he didn't obviously win. But, but boy, it's uh, impressive, you know, Alex, what he's doing. Uh, congrats to Taylor Hurst on the win. Uh, I did not watch this entire race, but I actually did see the end of it, uh, that last restart, and it was uh, pretty exciting to watch. It's a good gamble, taking the two tires like that. Probably picked up some track position, and then those who didn't go and get tires, he was probably able to drive right around. If I remember right, I think Alex was slow on the restart or spun his tires or something, and he got him that way. But, um, yeah, it was pretty exciting. Yeah, I missed uh, this race, but when I was uh, the following day when I was on uh, the NASCAR site checking out the news and stuff, um, Right there, uh, the Peak Antifreeze Series, they, they had a write-up about this race um, alongside the uh, the Pro Invitational. So one more thing that NASCAR's they're doing to, to help push this this whole thing here. Yep. Yeah, and it's so awesome to get... If we can get the regular Sprint Cup guys to be have regular appearances in these series, that would be even better. All right, uh... Pretty cool. I don't know when they run again. I think next week. You know, if you don't mind me touching on this. Um, yeah, go ahead. I know. That I think we're going to be heading to a platform war pretty soon. Um, iRacing obviously is, is, is the system that is as close to real as you can get. But there's a lot of money behind the NASCAR heat. And I think NASCAR's, for the fan experience, would be going with NASCAR Heat um, sessions because they can buy just a bunch of Xboxes or Playstations and stuff like that. So on the iRacing side, we get the real deal with the real drivers, but the fan experience, they're going to be driving on the NASCAR Heat platform, which is going to be kind of interesting. I'd I'd really love for some way, somehow, if iRacing had the funding to kind of negate that and say, no, we're going to use our platform all the way through. Your fans need to experience it the way it is and not, you know, kind of video gaming. I mean, they got the hook in. You know, John Henry is the linchpin in this whole thing. He He's an owner in NASCAR, okay? NASCAR obviously has a relationship with this guy. He owns iRacing. I mean, you're right. I mean, it, 
you know, spreading it out like this on different platforms, I don't know if it's a good idea. Maybe it is. You get the, the younger people hooked on the, the video game and then they want more. And then that's when they graduate into an iRacing product, you know? Yeah, either I can see either maybe some sort of um, partnership, not not officially, but um, understanding that if NASCAR Heat's going to appeal to the kids because it's easy to drive, um, and then as as they kind of develop their online career, migrate over to iRacing, there needs to be some sort of um, cohesion between the two platforms. If not, then all it's going to do is just kind of further separate everybody and and uh, slow down the growth. All right, uh, cool. Tony, let's go on the topics. Oh, first topic is uh, a good morning from Bristol, Connecticut. And uh, it's a few Twitter pictures. Um, first one's the uh, iRacing vans at Bristol. Um, so I guess they're going to be uh, doing some scanning of some sort. Um, don't know. They didn't really uh, go into it at all, uh, whether more track stuff or just... Uh, Outside the track stuff. Well, be, to be clear, we're not talking about Bristol, Tennessee. This is Bristol, Connecticut. This is ESPN is actually where they're at. So, yeah, it was kind of a mystery. What are they doing at ESPN? Right. Oh, wow. I can't believe I totally overlooked that. Um, my bad. <laughs> no, that's okay. But it was NASCAR day at ESPN. That was what was going on. Uh, they were bringing some uh, rigs. And they set up a, a couple rigs there in the ESPN uh, facility, and uh, some of the ESPN talent and, and so forth, uh, giving it a shot and running some laps, uh, including our uh, Jimmy Johnson, who was there as well at ESPN for NASCAR Day. Uh, one of the rare times I've seen Jimmy Johnson uh, playing iRacing. Um, so I thought that was an interesting photo for sure. Yeah, all these uh, different Twitter pictures all of a sudden make a whole lot more sense with that information behind me now. <laughs> all right. Uh, good for Jimmy Johnson. I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, he's never talked about iRacing that I know of. Uh, all right, let's go to the next topic. Tony Gardner, CEO of iRacing, uh, told us in the forums the Ferrari GT3 is going to get a uh, balance of performance or a BOP next week. And they actually took it down from the time attack and replaced it with the other Ferrari car, the GTE, uh, for the time being. Uh, also, uh, regarding time attack, Tony Gardner also announced uh, the Season 4 2017 prizes. First place, $1,000 U.S. cash. Second place, $500 in iRacing credits. Third place, $250 in iRacing credits. Plus three random select selections for participants who completed the full-time attack in all tracks will receive $100 in credits for each of the three featured series. So, yeah, we talked about this before. I just wanted to repeat it. There's cash on the line, folks. <laughs> Go and get it. Practice. Put in your time. Grab it. Well, can you think of a better way to try to drive participation than to put some money on the line? Money motivates, man. Money motivates. Right. Well, yeah, and 
I, you know, we, we've talked about this in the past, um, and I think we may even brought up the, the whole incentive, well, this is this is it. Um, they're, they're serious about this, and, oh, anybody that wants to, to go for it, go get it. I am, I want, you know, I keep wanting to do that and I forget, but I want to get in there and run some of those. I don't think I have all the cars, but maybe I can run some of them. All right, what's next, Tony? Oh, we have the uh, Season 4 Patch 1 release um, coming out tomorrow, it looks like. Now, they don't have a list or anything, so I'm not too sure what's going on there, if it's just a bunch of small little tweaks and stuff, maybe. They'll tell us tomorrow, um, but yeah, it'll be down for the release. This is typical. Patch one, so they haven't had to panic and issue a bunch of patches this time. And uh, but uh, there are going to be some fixes. I don't know what they are, but we'll find out. Uh, next up, Kevin Bobbitt posted up in the Blank Pain World Championship Series forum. All racing credits for manufacturer and individual individual championships have been awarded. These were deposited into your account. If you don't see them, please send a PM. Winners of the cash prize have been contacted or will be shortly to make arrangements. Congratulations to everyone. So that's the end of uh, some other cash that was on the line for the Blank Pain series. I forget exactly how much they were offering. Can you imagine prize pools getting up to $100,000 at some point? Yeah, and then it's almost like, okay, can people make a living doing this, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, I really don't think it's that far-fetched, you know, because racing still is the only eSport where you got in-game branding, and there should be more sponsors involved. I mean, we can really hit more people uh, digitally than some tracks hit with butts in their seats. Yeah. That's a whole marketing debacle that hasn't been addressed that will need to be. Uh, the whole thing with trading paints and the whole where iRacing is not responsible for the sponsors that are shown on track because they're served from a separate source that, you know, somebody's going to sue, they're going to sue trading paints, not iRacing. That's why there is a trading paints. Yeah, I, I get that, but it almost kind of becomes uh defeative um as far as i mean there really needs to be more sponsors involved i mean we can really highlight a lot of products and services yeah you know there's a lot of things that we can do on youtube that you can't do on tv you could put sponsor overlays during a broadcast and essentially a potential customer is just one click away you click this overlay featuring a logo open it up, you could register for a prize, but then that's data collection module, download a promo code for product or service, things like that. We're not utilizing everything appropriately. The marketing's too introverted. Only We're only telling other sim racers about our races and stuff. Uh, we need to get outside the box, and that's an example. Yep. Yep. I'd, I'd love to see some kind of where we get the NASCAR fan base to start watching these races somehow. You know, if we can get to that point and get it more mainstream, that's really where the sponsors are going to get involved at that point. And that's where you're, you're talking about. Yeah, I agree. I agree. You know, one more cheater who wins a race and doesn't get the race taken away. I think a lot more people will be tuning out of NASCAR and they're going to start looking someplace else to get their fix. Yeah, it's crazy. Some of the stuff going on. 
All right, Tony, what's next? Well, there was a, a post on the forums about the Skip Barber Racing School, and they've uh, they filed for bankruptcy. Um, and uh, <laughs> yeah, so that's kind of surprising. I didn't know that. But there's actually a contest involved with the Skip Barber Racing Schools, and obviously those people that are trying to win that prize obviously might not win it because the school is filing for bankruptcy. 2013, I approached Skip Barber with this virtual to reality idea, like let's run races online and, and funnel people to your schools. You know, winning drivers, obviously free, second place, 80% off, third place, 50% off, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and there was just no interest. And there was, there's, there's an, a current agreement licensing agreement with Skip Barber and iRacing. I just couldn't get why they didn't want to do it. And it wasn't that everything was booked all the time because I checked the website and they were never sold out. I think they kind of missed the boat. You know, they had a good deal with 70,000 potential people on iRacing and that they could have maybe started to try to funnel people through. Yeah, it's a shame. Uh, yeah, the title of this forum thread even says virtual to real world right in the title. So too little too late <laughs> <laughs> well obviously it didn't work out for uh, skip barber sorry to hear that well the good news is is though the uh the prizes that you're able to to win through this um you know they they most likely are going to be changed and stuff but iRacing is still going to uh dole out prizes anyhow even though you know they don't really have to but uh you know at least they're doing something right or at least trying to do something they'll, they'll set up a hat and a shirt or something yeah you're right They'll find some alternative uh, that'll be appropriate, I'm sure, and they even say that here in the post. So, uh, iRacing's awesome like that. All right, uh, next up, another forum post. This one, the question is, who is iRacing biased towards, road, oval, or neither? And interestingly, a lot of people voted, 319 people. Neither was the overwhelming answer at 76%. Oval at 12%, Road at 11%. What do you guys think? Is iRacing biased towards one genre? You know, it's hard to say because uh, I know we see a lot more oval-based content coming out per se. But, the, you know, the dirt movement is so strong right now. Uh, but I think it's been pretty... Even down the way, I think what it is that's fueled by passion. You know, if you're a road guy, you want road stuff. If you're oval, you like you want more circles. Um, so stuff like that's propelled by passion. I think uh, they're pretty equal. I think they do a good job of, you know, catering to the road guys and catering to the oval guys and catering to the dirt guys, and now it'll be the road rally guys and. And so forth, uh, and probably drag racing at some point in the future. Who knows? But um, yeah, I think they do a pretty good job. Tony, what do you what do you think here? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm on the same boat too. I mean, at times it may seem like, oh yeah, all they're doing is bringing out road stuff, or oh yeah, it's just ovals. And but if you, if you take a step back and look at the the whole picture, it, it looks fairly even, and and they definitely cater to the whole community um, as opposed to just one side or the other. Yep. All right. Let's go into hardware software. Uh, Tony, what's first?
uh, Fanatec Podium Series. Um, yeah, looks like it's another wheel. Well, it's they call it a a series, and it's like their new name for a series of products that they call the hardcore range of products that are positioned above the Club Sport series. So if you know, Fanatec has their Club Sport series of products, so now they're going to have the Podium series, which is like a a step above. And apparently, so they've announced this. Uh, I have yet to see what exactly that means, but it's new, so we'll just have to wait and see. But uh, next topic is also a, pot, a product from Fanatec. And now this probably is exactly what's going to be in the podium series because it's Fanatec's direct drive wheel. We have the first video and photos of it. And this was at the Sim Racing Expo at the Nürburgring. And uh, boy, this thing looks awesome. It's a huge base, though. And the mounting for this thing is incredible. They actually have it mounted from the sides left and right and bottom it looks like with some very heavy duty brackets uh but boy uh quite a wheel this is definitely uh to com- you know i think to compete with the uh AccuForce version 2 probably yeah this thing looks like a bloody monster i was looking at this earlier today and uh <laughs> if if i'm correct like they 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 talk about a price point around 479 and then you can also get a starter kit which throws in the csl elite 2 pedal set for 499 um that seems to be really cheap for that type of wheel absolutely cheap well that could be a market changer right there yeah 479 for the base and the rim yeah, that's... that's a lot cheaper than the AccuForce, which is above a thousand bucks Right, right. I mean, I was looking at this, and I was, I was saying to my wife, because I'm, I'm in the market for a new wheel, I'm like, ooh, maybe. But I mean, you know, it's an American dollar, so it's like 10000 Canadian. But, um, you know, if I save my pennies, maybe. Yeah, pretty cool. Uh, SimRacingPaddock.com uh, posted up those pictures. Thanks to them. Want to give them credit for this. Uh, but pretty cool to see it. Uh, it's got quite of a paint design on it which is kind of unusual i'm not sure why that's the question why did they 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 painted it with like these uh swirls black and white swirls it almost kind of got a zebra look to it maybe it's like when they have the prototype cars they don't want you to see the shell accurately that's exactly what it is it's uh it's supposed to be like a camouflage so you can't quite get all the dimensions and everything like that it does appear to have, it's not square, that's for sure. It's not like a square box. It does have angles, a lot of different angles on the edges, it looks like. But like you, like you said, it, it's really hard to see it with the, the paint, the zebra paint thing. All right, what's next? Oh, um, I race Dash. Uh no longer works on iOS 11. Um, and I was actually reading somewhere that uh, there's quite a few uh, apps that won't work with that new uh, iOS coming out. Um, so I'm, sh- I'm sure we're going to see more. Hopefully 
none that we use to to do the racing if you if you're on an apple product but uh iRace dash isn't working for now yeah i figured this out today uh i downloaded ios 11 for my uh iphone uh earlier today and um i tried it and it doesn't work it actually when you go to run the app it literally says contact the app developer about this and it has a button okay and you hit okay and nothing runs it literally won't work um i also found out the other app that i use for my ios devices for racing is called rockat r o c c a t power grid uh that's my button box on the ipad and it also is not compatible with ios 11 um and apparently the the app developers need to update these apps for them to be available uh, on iOS 11. Now, the good news is the two iOS devices I use for these two programs are uh, different from my iPhone. So I have my normal carry iPhone. I have an old iPhone that I run iRace Dash on, an old iPhone 5S. It actually sits on the base of my wheel. Uh, what I'm going to do, I actually tested it. It still works because I haven't put iOS 11 on that phone. So so basically, I don't intend to at this point. I will not update that phone to iOS 11, and hopefully the app will continue to work. Now, will I be forced to update at some point? I have no idea. Um, my iPad, which runs the Rockat button box, uh, again, it's an older iPad, uh, one of the first versions, I believe. So it's like dead slow, and it still works. But again, I won't update that one to iOS 11 either because of the same problem. So hopefully I'm good. I just wanted to mention this on the podcast in case any listeners out there actually use these products. Do not update your iOS device if you want to use these products going forward. Yeah, and along with that, there is there is quite a list being compiled of apps that aren't going to work with this new iOS for now anyways. I mean... I'm sure most of the developer, developers are going to find a fix for it and get it pushed out as soon as possible. But in the meantime, um, if you update, uh, beware. Yeah, and you know, it kind of irritates me because I actually paid five dollars for iRace Dash back in the day. You know, several years ago when it when I got it, and the app de- developer should update it and keep it. In fact, they actually removed it from the App Store completely, uh, from what I saw. Uh, because it's not compatible with iOS 11. So uh, hopefully those app developers will do that. I'm sure it's probably an easy fix. I can't imagine uh, it needs a bunch of work to to make this work. But uh, yeah, we'll have to see. All right, next up, let's talk iRacing and Real Racers and the Real World crossover. Uh, Again, we usually talk about Ty Majeski. And sure enough, uh, he ran a restart with four to go, resulted in a seventh place finish for him uh, in the 99 car there. So uh, a dominating run for him. It looked like uh, he was going to win it, and then you know, a late restart, and it didn't work out for him very well. So that was at Chicagoland in the ARCA race uh, this last week. So, boy, this kid is something else, and he's definitely coming up, uh, you know, the ladder, so to speak. Yeah, there was, uh, I think from 7th on, a lot of those cars had new tires, and uh, was there, did they run the option tire 
in that race because there was a lot of talk about uh, a set of four tires on one car, and on that restart, he just flew by Majeski. He went from seventh to second, I think, within the first turn. Well, I'm not sure about that. I only saw uh, the last part of the race. I'm not certain, but... Yeah, the guy who won it uh, went and got four fresh and just basically went around everybody and just walked away. But yeah, Ty, I mean, if that caution wasn't there, it could have made history right there. Yep. And I think he's going to Kentucky as well to run there. So, uh, boy, congrats to Ty. Another good run. He was looking like he was going to win that thing. Uh, he had dominated the early parts of the race, apparently. So, uh, pretty cool uh, uh, run there in the ARCA event. All right, let's see what's next. That's it. That was final topic. Let's get into final thoughts. Uh, Joel Hamilton, thanks for coming on the podcast. Uh, what are your final thoughts? You know, I really appreciate you guys having me on here. I'm 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 a listener, so it's really cool that I got to be on here. And uh, I hope I didn't stink up the joint you know <laughs> no i love your insight uh you're welcome anytime and as uh you know you get your business to grow and you get other drivers we'd love to hear about it and have you back so uh yeah come on let me know anytime yeah i, I appreciate that thanks guys for having me on yep all right tony groves final thoughts yeah um i'm gonna you know say thank you to joel as well um what he's what you're doing man is just it, it's awesome it's cool it's uh um, I, I hope you get a lot of support. You, you deserve it. Alex Bergeron is, uh, is, is a good poster child for what you're doing. He's, he's shown the, the racing world that, um, the sim racers can, can really hold their own and, and it's, it's a good stepping stool, uh, to get, to get there. So, um, that, that's, that's my final thoughts for the week. Well, I appreciate that, Tony. Thank you. All right, Cool. Uh, my final thoughts, boy, uh, I'm so glad to get out of Chicagoland. I don't know how to save tires. It's like I've started over or something. It's just horrible. And uh, I couldn't believe the tire fall off I was having. And then my teammate, Tyler, he, he barely has any wear on his tires after a long run. And he's so fast. I just don't know how to do it. I, I just suck, I suck, I suck. And that's how I feel sometimes at these mile and a halfs when we have these longer runs i'm perfect on short runs i can run with the best of them on short runs but these long runs kill me uh i fall into 20th in the points in division two uh in the open uh nis series uh and I was trying to reach the top 20 at the, uh, that was the goal for the end of the season i've made it now can i keep it that's the question uh i don't know we got new hampshire next so we'll see uh, New Hampshire is a kind of survival kind of race. If you can survive, uh, you'll probably get a good finish. So uh, with that being said, I'll probably be okay because my race craft kind of leads into that whole survival thing. So we'll see how it goes. Um, but I'm excited for New Hampshire. I'm kind of glad Chicago's over. So that's my final thought. And with that, we'll see you later. Thank you for listening to the iRacers Lounge Podcast. Make sure to go subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, Facebook, and Twitter. See you on the track.